All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in Monday, May 29th, and somehow the Dallas Stars are still alive. Also tonight, great sports night, Frank Saravalli, Memorial Day down in the U.S. How are you doing on a holiday Monday? I'm good. Ready for this. So much to talk about. We got a potential uh, choking situation for the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot happening on the GM and coach vacancy front. Mm -hmm. Let's dive in. Yeah, let's get right into it. Daily Faceoff Live, as always, brought to you by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. Let's start two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and start with those pesky Dallas Stars. They just will not roll over. Frank, I mean, we were joking on the shows last week that like, hey, if you're Dallas, come on. Just just get out of this in game four. Like you're not pushing this thing crazy deep. For, but then they have. And there's a couple of reasons why I actually think they should be pretty confident rolling into tonight. One, Jake Ottinger, 931, 949 were his save percentages in games four and five. And we know that guy gets better as the series goes on. That's got to be the reason why maybe the Golden Knights are a little nervous here, Frank. Yeah, I think Jake Ottinger is one. You heard Pete DeBoer, his coach, say he's money. Uh, He saved his best two games of basically the last month uh, for these two elimination games, and he's got two more to snake through. But there's also Jason Robertson, and the impact that he's had on this series has been a significant one. A guy who was on a milk carton in round two against the Seattle Kraken, who was seventh in the league in scoring this year with 46 goals, has been an absolute beast uh, for the Dallas Stars, someone that has more 
shots from the inner slot in this series alone against the Vegas Golden Knights than he did in all of round two, which went seven games, of course. And more than that, um, he's someone that when you look at the clutch moments that he scored, every goal that Jason Robertson has scored in this series has either tied the game or put the Dallas Stars in the lead to break a tie. That's been a significant development. So it's Ottinger, it's Robertson, and oh, by the way, Tyler, they get Jamie Benn back for game six. And so now what's in front of the Dallas Stars is something that is kind of actually somewhat routine. The way that people look at this as, oh, they need to reverse sweep it. I think they've accomplished the two hardest uh, wins to get in the series. And now they trail just 3-2 in this series to advance to the Stanley Cup final. How many times have teams come back from down 3-2 in a series? It's routine. We see it every spring, two, three, four times a spring. So the Dallas Stars have accomplished the hardest part. Now they got to finish it off against the Golden Knights team that really doesn't want to be going home for Game 7 with so much on the line. And as our boy, and excuse me on the username here on YouTube, Frank, Joe Mama points out, Pete DeBoer, a perfect eight. <laughs> He's a perfect eight. No, in game sevens, man, he doesn't lose game seven. So there is a lot trending in the right direction for this Dallas Stars team. That building's going to be rocking. You mentioned like the stars of this team, no pun intended. But like, how about a guy like Ty Delandria having his welcome to the playoffs kind of moment, scoring twice in under two minutes. Luke Glendening got a goal for them in that game as well. If anything, something encouraging from game five was just how the depth started to wake up as well. Yeah, I think that's huge. The critical piece is going to be how well do the Dallas Stars defend? I mean, that's really one hiccup that we saw and we've seen in a couple games this series already some significant gaffes and and mistakes from someone like Ryan Suter on the back end. Can they cut down on those? And and can the Golden Knights wake up? You heard their coach, uh, Bruce Cassidy, basically fillet them after the last game and say, 24 turnovers in one game. You're not going to beat the Arizona Coyotes in mid-January with 24 turnovers. Everyone viewed that as a shot against the Coyotes, but I mean, it seemed pretty legit to me. And if you're not taking a shot at the Coyotes now, what are you even doing? Yeah, I was going to say the Coyotes catching strays here in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, let's move along and talk a little bit about some coaching vacancies as well, Frank. It's kind of it seems like, at least from my perspective, I'm no insider, but it feels quiet right now on that front. Are we just maybe waiting for the first domino to fall? Yeah, this week, Tyler, is where the rubber meets the road. There's so many different things happening and a domino or trickle-down effect that may be connected to all of it. And I think a lot of it actually revolves around the Ottawa Senators and their impending sale, which I was thinking we were trending towards at the beginning of last week and we're in the any day now type of moment for the preferred bidder to emerge for the Ottawa Senator sale. So what do I mean by the domino effect that may be connected to that? Well, first off, there's a holiday weekend involved, which always slows things down a little bit, particularly here in the U.S. And since the Fenway Sports Group and the Pittsburgh Penguins owners were overseas in Monaco at the Grand Prix over the weekend, that when you look at everything that could happen here, you've got Kyle Dubas, who has interviewed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe that's his job if he wants it. But if you're Kyle Dubas, why would you jump at the only vacancy available at this exact moment in time, knowing how potentially unattractive that Pittsburgh Penguins roster and rebuild might be? 
when you might be able to find out more in the next couple of days, 48, 72 hours about the Ottawa Senators, a team that you not only grew up rooting for, but is an infinitely better position to grab hold of, especially with a new well-funded ownership group that's in place. But they may already have someone, depending on who that preferred bidder is, Tyler, for the Ottawa Senators, because a lot of people are wondering what kind of dot may be connected between the Sens and the Edmonton Oilers, who have Steve Steos in their front office. For instance, if Mike Michael Anlauer is the guy that ends up uh, being the preferred bidder for the Sens, a lot of people believe that he's going to be bringing Steve Steos with him from the Oilers. Do the Oilers step up and promote Steos this week if that happens? If not, do some of the other preferred bidders have someone in mind to bring someone in with them? Um, could Kyle Dubas fall into that mix? And then you begin to talk about the coaching part of it, which is how does this impact DJ Smith? What happens with Sheldon Keefe in Toronto? We have John Hines, who seemingly no decision has been made about in Nashville just yet, as Barry Trotz and the Preds have been super quiet, not to mention all of the other different coaching vacancies that go around the league from the New York Rangers, Columbus Blue Jackets, Anaheim Ducks, Calgary Flames. Go down the list. There's a whole bunch of things that are connected to this. And in within that, you've got Spencer Carberry and Andrew Brunette, who probably are going to have choices to make on their own end in terms of vacancies that are available to them um, that they might have the pick of the litter. So it kind of all, I think, starts and revolves around the nation's capital in Ottawa. Fascinating stuff, the way the trickle down could go. Just quickly, Frank, in like 20 seconds or less, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs GM job. How close do you think we are to a decision there? I don't think that close. I think they've been active in the interview process already, as been reported. Brad Tree Living has completed his first round of interviews. I, I reported some names over on Friday about um, just some of the other names that I expect to be interviewed or may have already interviewed, and those included Peter Shirelli uh, of the St. Louis Blues, um, also um, Jason Botterill of the Seattle Kraken. Doug Wilson has been reported as being in that group. Um, so there's a whole host of guys that have some experience that have been mentioned out there as in terms of candidates, Mark Bergeman of the Los Angeles Kings as well. Interesting stuff. Uh, switching gears again, Frank, and going to a story we, uh, our friend Paul Paduti at Adjusted Hockey on Twitter. This guy is, I've said it a hundred times, he's my favorite follow on Twitter. I love the stuff he's putting forward here. And he had something interesting on goalies in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, only 13 goalies who have played post-1967 have been elected to the Hall. That is like mind-blowing when you sit there and think about all of the great goalies you can rattle off in that time span and how few haven't gotten the call to the hall. Take us through Paul's story and maybe who are some names that deserve to get a look who simply haven't for whatever reason. Yeah, you can read about it on dailyfaceoff.com. I love the series that Paul has put together. If you're not following him, as you mentioned, at Adjusted Hockey, the work that he does is incredible. He's basically put every single player that's ever played the game on a level playing field in terms of adjusting for errors with scoring. And then, of course, uh, the connection to that with save percentages and goalies. Um, it's fascinating stuff. And so basically what he pointed out is that there have been more Winter Olympics uh, 15 and more goalie goals that have been scored 16 than goalies that have been inducted that have played in the NHL in the post 1967 era. It's a mind blowing stat. 
But the point is, the Hall has not been able to properly evaluate and induct goalies for the longest time. We know that Henrik Lundqvist is a shoe-in, essentially, this year as a first-time eligible goalie. But are there others that deserve to go in with him? And Hall makes the case on DailyFaceOff.com today for Curtis Joseph. And when you think about his career and the way that it unfolded, you take a look at the numbers and how he stacks up to his competition. Certainly among that group of elite goalies that you know may not have the Stanley Cup or the playoff dominance or the hardware and the Vezina that goes with it. Um, but when you look at Cujo in his career, like and you think about the Vezinas, well, the guys that he was losing the Vezina to those years are all guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, et cetera, et cetera. So go through the list. And so he he lost out to some of the best goalies that have ever played the game uh, and finished a close sort of third and fourth to those guys in those years that I think it speaks to the ultimate dominance that uh, that Curtis Joseph had. And you see this number here. First off, this is a mind-blowing list when you think about it. And then you look at someone like uh, Jerry Cheevers down there at 54th and Eddie Jockman at 47th that somehow find their way into the Hall of Fame. Rogie Vashon got in a couple years ago as way down the list in the Hall of Very Good, according to how Paul does his work. So uh, it's an incredible list to look at. There's a few things to stand out. Of course, Curtis Joseph, yes. John Van Breesbrook, yes, but also Thomas Vokun. Like that's the one that really stands out to me. I'm like, holy smokes! No one has ever even thought of Thomas Vokun or even had him on the list in terms of being someone that fits the Hall of Fame criteria. So I guess you have to kind of pick through this. No one really looks at him um, as an authentic candidate, but there's so much to consider when thinking about the dead puck era and how some of these goalies on the list also really benefited from playing at a time. And there wasn't very much scoring. Yeah, we've done a lot of stuff uh, with, or we've taken a lot of Paul's work and dissected goal scorers and how they were affected by the dead puck era, but an interesting effect on goaltenders as well. Uh, Daily Double today, Frank. We're doing two off-season previews on the show. We got our pal Jeremy Rutherford coming up in two minutes to talk about the Blues, but let's stay in that division. Talk a little bit about the Nashville Predators. It's the first summer with Barry Trotz at the helm as their GM. And man, the amount of picks they have in this upcoming NHL draft is incredible, Frank. In the next two drafts, really, they have a lot that they could do some damage with. Two firsts this year, two seconds, two thirds, or sorry, three thirds and three fourths. Do you think they'll take the approach of, hey, let's flip some of these picks and get some immediate help? Or is the smarter play here for Barry Trotz to get some prospects and start stocking the cupboard here in Nashville. I think that's the biggest question that I have about the Preds in general is what are they trying to accomplish here? Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to do this on the fly and become uh, a competitive team again? Sort of as I view the Predators and their current roster right now, I say that they're good enough to finish anywhere between, say, 8th and 14th in the West, which is not really any place that you want to be. Could they sneak into the Stanley Cup playoffs on the back of UC Soros again? Probably. Um, but there also is a question to ask about Soros and his future in Nashville, given that they're ultimately going to have to re-up him at some point and pay him again. Um, and also, just what is the overall thought process and plan for Barry Trotz? We haven't heard him speak too much on that just yet. 
And so when you consider all of that in the bigger picture and with what they've already sort of pared down their roster, moving Granlin and Eckholm and Nina Ryder and Tanner Janot, they've taken a lot of pieces off of this team. Um, when I had David Poyle on, frankly speaking, a, a few weeks ago after uh, the season was, was wrapping up, the trade deadline had finished. He said, I had five goals in mind for the trade deadline and I, he said he accomplished four of them. And I said, so, okay, so what was the fifth? He said, well, that player is still on our roster. So clearly there's at least one other player that the Nashville Predators would like to end up moving. But what is the plan? Is it to package those picks and to try and get good again? Or is Barry Trotz going to be taking a methodical, longer view of, hey, this team needs to really rebuild a bit and we're you know five years away from being competitive? The problem is when you have some of the guys – like Soros and Net, Yossi on your back end, and then Johansson and those guys up front, Forsberg, you're not really ever going to be in a spot where you bottom out. So they've got a, a tough decision to make as they sort of swim in the NHL's murky middle. Interesting. The Soros question is obviously the big one with two years until unrestricted free agency and a cap hit of only $5 million. I would imagine the list of contenders who would be calling Barry Trotz about him if he was made available would be pretty long. It'll be an interesting summer in Nashville. Lots of picks. Who knows if they'll move them or use them. And that's a similar question to what we're going to get into with the Blues. Let's go to this week's edition of the All 32. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. Let's dig into what could happen this offseason in St. Louis, Jeremy. Three picks in the first round for Doug Armstrong. I guess where I want to go with this is what are the chances they actually make three selections in the first round? And that will really tell us what Armstrong's strategy is this summer, what he does with those picks, right? 
Yeah, that's the question here in St. Louis. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Of course, they have the number 10 overall pick. And Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the Blues, has said a couple times he'll be shocked if he's not walking to the stage in Nashville to make that number 10 overall pick. The Blues haven't had a lot of high picks. You talk about Eric Johnson, number one overall, Alex Petrangelo. But that's been about it since Alex Petrangelo. So now they get inside the top 10 with a tough season last year. And then also because of the trades of Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, they're going to have two later first-round picks, number 25, and a yet-to-be-determined pick once these playoffs wrap up. What are the Blues going to do? As I said, I think they'll make that number 10 pick. But the uh, the late first-rounders, that's the key question here. Frank, uh, there's a situation where the Blues could make one of those players, uh, the picks available to trade for an established NHL player, try to pluck somebody in here to keep this team competitive the next couple of years during what Doug Armstrong has referred to as a retool, or they could make both of these picks. Uh, you look at uh, our, our stock pool rankings at the athletic and the blues, not too high in the prospect pool. So I think it's a situation where they'd be very well uh, inclined to make those picks as well. Yeah, it's an interesting spot, JR. I reported last week that, um, at least from the conversations I've heard from around the league, Doug Armstrong is certainly willing to actually move both of those late first round picks. He's looking for guys 25 and under that'll be under team control. My question for you is, if that is the case, do you expect it to be at forward that he would go and try and add to this team? I, I think of what he's building with Cairo and Thomas that that would sort of be at the top of the list. But I also know that he kind of wants to reshape the back end too. How do you see that playing out if you were to target guys 25 and under? Yeah, they brought in uh, two guys in that age range, Frank uh, Kapanen and Rana, last year that fit that. And, and those guys are going to be motivated. They're on uh, expiring contracts last year of their deal. The Blues, I think, still need a top nine forward. So I think you got the possibility of bringing in a player in that age range, Frank, that could be a forward. Hey, let's keep in mind, Doug Armstrong uh, in that Tarasenko trade also got Sammy Blay back. We saw what Sammy Blay did at the World Championships. He signed next year, Frank, for a million dollars. What a steal. Six goals at the World Championships. So they're going to pluck him into probably their, their top nine. If not, he'll be on that fourth line. And I think they could go after a forward. If they go after a defenseman, I think they're going to have to move somebody. And the key question here in St. Louis this offseason is Doug Armstrong going to be able to move any of these guys? Justin Falk, I thought, had a pretty good season last year. But you look at guys like Pareko, Krug, Nick Letty, all of them long-term deals. Pareko signed the eight-year deal. Krug still got four years left. Letty's got three years left. A lot of these players are seen as immovable. So if they're going to use one of those late first-round picks, guys, to go out and get a defenseman, I think they're going to have to move one of these guys uh, out because they, they need to give a, a chance to a guy like Scott Pernovich, who was also at the World Championships. He's healthy and ready to play. I don't know that there's a lot of room to bring somebody in in the on the third uh, pairing spot. I think that they're going to have to move one of those guys in the top four if they're going to think about adding on defense. So an interesting part as well, just as I peruse the cap-friendly page for the St. Louis Blues, is all those guys have some form of trade protection as well. So is there one of those four names that you think is actually has a decent shot to waive that clause and move? Is there one that stands out? It, there doesn't really appear to be, and that's what makes this difficult. Because of these long-term contracts, be, because of the no-trade protection, Doug Armstrong for years has not wanted to give out no-movement clauses. He didn't give a no-movement to Alex Petrangelo, but the Blues have been one of the teams that have given out one of the most no-trade clauses. At one time, uh, I counted up, it was 10, and that was tops in the league with Tampa Bay. So you're looking at guys like Preco, Krug, Letty, 
uh, even Falk, and also Scandella, who has a modified no-trade clause that includes seven teams. So it's going to be very difficult to move these guys. As you guys know, you look at the teams that maybe do have some cap space, but they're at the, the bottom of the uh, NHL standings. And, you know, is a Tory crew going to waive his no-trade clause to go to the Chicago Blackhawks or the Arizona Coyotes? I doubt it at this point in his career. And, you know, would a franchise like those that I mentioned – even one a guy in his early 30s who doesn't go along with their timeline. So it, it doesn't really add up. JR, I'm no tax advisor, but I'm hoping that since you're using your son's shooting gallery as your uh, as your backdrop here, that this becomes some kind of business write-off for you in your basement. But in, in all seriousness, um, wanted to ask quickly before we let you go about uh, your, the goaltending situation in St. Louis, because we know that the Blues are high on Joel Hofer to, to take that next step and be part of the team next year. Are there any lingering question marks about Jordan Bennington? Obviously, the term and that contract, he's not going anywhere. But how do the Blues manage their goaltending situation moving forward? You know, I think, Frank, that Jordan Bennington is still the number one. I expect him to be here on opening night. Uh, you know, would a change of goaltenders help the St. Louis Blues? You know, it was tough explaining last year to people who just saw Jordan Bennington's numbers that he was actually fairly decent. And I know people might hear that and say, look, the numbers don't lie. And and they don't. The numbers weren't great. But the Blues defense last year was very porous. Jordan Bennington did what he could the first half of the season, try to help them. Uh, but again, the numbers weren't that good. There is a lot of term on that contract. Would there be somebody interested around the league? You just don't know. Would Doug Armstrong get antsy and try to make a move with Jordan Bennington? I don't think so at this point. I think he's going to be the Blues goaltender. I think Joel Hofer will be the backup. Joel's got a great pedigree. He won a World Junior Championship. He just got back from the World Championships, a gold medal with Canada, even though he didn't play all the games. And I think he's got a very bright future. You know, him, in terms of him being the 1A, I still think that's a couple years off. But it's going to get interesting here next season because last year he had Thomas Grice as the backup, not really capable of stealing the job from Jordan Bennington, but perhaps Joel Hofer is. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, I just want to emphasize that Bennington much better than the numbers last year. Plenty of interesting storylines in St. Louis as we head through the offseason. Jeremy Rutherford, appreciate you joining us. Uh, again, fantastic backdrop. Next time you come on, though, I'm expecting stick in hand and a couple of wrist shots for us live on the air. All right. Yeah. As soon as I hang up here, I'm going to do that right off that Frank was talking about. (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks a lot. All right, Frank, uh, moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. We got a couple in the YouTube chat here, so let's dig into them. Jay Tess is a Jets fan, and he wants to know Hellebuck, Shifley, Dubois, Wheeler. How many, you don't have to give us names, but how many do you think are going to stick with the Jets through this summer? Ooh, uh, I'm going to say, wow, out of all four, I I actually wouldn't be shocked to see all four go. I I think if you were going to, you know, take a look at it, I would say maybe just uh, one ends up remaining. I I could see a situation in which um, you have Shifley, Wheeler, or maybe Wheeler is ends up being the guy that stays. You could see Dubois be the one guy that stays, but I could certainly envision a world in which Shifley, Wheeler, and Hellebuck are all gone come opening night in Winnipeg. Uh, we also got another one from Lowell, who's a Flames fan. He wants to know, you know, how many players should he be expecting off this Flames roster in the summer via trade? On uh, Maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, Frank, how active do you think the Flames will be on the trade market this summer? 
not super active. I, I'd expect tweaks. And I think the biggest thing for them to figure out is which guys are they keeping in terms of players that are, are going to be uh, signing long-term. If, if you're not going to be keeping Michael Backlund, which I'd imagine they are, or, or Les Lindholm, or, or certainly Noah Hannafin, those are the big guys that you have to make a decision for uh, to figure out. And if there's a no to any of those, would you like to be a Calgary flame? Then that's when I'd expect the trade talks to heat up. But other than that, like I'd, I'd envision some small tweaks. And by the way, I, I tweeted the clip this morning, but um, Craig Conroy, their, their new GM did say that Dustin Wolf has deserved or earned an NHL opportunity mm-hmm. in net. You look at his numbers in the AHL, they're fantastic. Uh, so what does that mean for Dan Vladar moving forward, who has two more years at a very reasonable 2.2? A lot of teams viewed him as a potential number one elsewhere. So do they move Vladar and keep Wolf? Do they move Wolf and get something significant for him? Um, that's one other potential trade avenue as well. Interesting. Uh, you know, we got, we got an extra minute here, Frank. So let me throw you a third one here as well. Adam Jonas is in. He's a big Habs fan. Cole Caulfield is an RFA with no Arbrights this summer. Uh, bridge or long-term for Caulfield in Montreal? I'd imagine that they'd go as long as they possibly could, and that's the road that I would take. I think you can never go wrong buying the very best eight years of a player's career or seven years, whatever it ends up being. He's 22 now. That would take him right up to age 30. Um, And you look at the production, uh, you look at the goal-scoring ability that he's always had, that Marty St. Louis has been able to pull out of him in a consistent way at the NHL level – uh, I'd be locking him up as long as I could get him. All right, let's move along to our daily bets for today. Brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. We got hockey to bet on tonight, Frank, and I am getting ready to go with a couple of player props for this one. I don't love that the Stars are as big of favorites in this game as they are on Botano, so I'm eyeing up two props. Simple as that. Jamie Benn's back in the lineup. He is minus 115 to score a point in this hockey game. He was playing very good hockey before that boneheaded moment in game three. So I like Jamie Benn to bounce back at minus 115 or sorry, minus 114. Look at that. Getting an extra cent on this bet as well. I think that's really solid value when you compare them to the other pieces up top of that Dallas Stars odds board. And secondly... This is my favorite bet of the night. It's Wyatt Johnston to go over two and a half shots, paying out plus money, plus 102. Frank, he's been crushing this as of late. He's hit it in four of the five games already in this series. And when you go through his shot totals, five, and then he missed it the one game. But before that, four, four, and six to start this series against Vegas. He's cruising. I love it. Wyatt Johnston over two and a half shots, plus 102 is my absolute favorite bet of the evening between the Stars and Golden Knights. Big one also. A big NBA game tonight. It's a fantastic sports slate over at Botano. Uh, let's wrap up with a little bit of garbage time. Frank, yourself and Jason Greger got into things about the World Hockey Championship today on the DFO Rundown. I, I won't get into that. People should go listen to it, though. I will give stick taps. Canada, sure, you did what you were supposed to do. But how about Germany and Latvia? The feel-good stories there. Germany gets a silver, a great effort by them. And Latvia pulls off the bronze, Frank, and they are partying about it in Latvia. If you have a chance, go on to our... Here we go. AB got us the video. Look at this crowd (laughs) to celebrate the bronze medal that they won at the World Hockey Champions. This is just... It's unbelievable, Frank. 
I mean, I love to see it. And you see the it's a national holiday today in Latvia um, just for a bronze medal to see them represented on the international stage in terms of the big boys of hockey. It's fantastic for the sport, as you mentioned, um, you know, full marks to Germany for for their run. Um, J.J. Paterka named forward of the tournament. Like there are so many bright spots for uh, the German team, which has its best run of NHL players that they've ever assembled. Um, and so German hockey is certainly uh, at the forefront right now. But just as a little rebuttal to this world championship hype, uh, as Canada celebrates its 28th gold medal at the Worlds. I don't understand how the World Championship is contested every year, for one. Two, the best players in the world that are the NHL players, some of them routinely just pass on the tournament in general. And three, the fact that there is no Russia, I think, has certainly taken even more steam out of this World Championship because the player pool is that much thinner. So hate to um, to sprinkle on anyone's parade, but just kind of feels to me like the world championships, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm feeling some drops on my hand. Frank Saravalli raining on the parade of the World Hockey Championship. So that's going to be a wrap on today's show, a Monday, May 29th edition of Daily Phase Off Live, brought to you by Botano. Find out more, botano.ca. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk with you then. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.